Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Zach Kiefer, The Athletic, is with us right now. So not much of a surprise, I think, that Alec Pierce, the rookie wide receiver, entered COVID COVID protocol. Come on, dude. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, I know. That's been a while. Uh, The concussion protocol. Um, So what does that mean, you think, about his availability coming up on Sunday? Yeah, it's certainly up in the air. And remember, after he took that shot over the middle on Sunday, they had to replace his face mask. Yeah, that was very – I mentioned that to Matt Taylor. It was like – that was kind of like North Dallas 40 stuff right there. Yeah. I mean, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Austin Collie running over the middle all those years ago. Um, Look, I I never want to predict how a concussion is going to go. It's just impossible. Darius Leonard, Chuck Leonard missed a couple games a couple years ago. I think he missed three games because of a concussion. So – Everybody responds different. It didn't seem like they have ruled him out by any means in terms of their minds. It seems like there's very much a chance, but he's going to have to get back to practice in a red jersey maybe tomorrow and, and then maybe get cleared by Saturday. But, you know, you know, maybe if you had another receiver, you'd feel good about, but um, they're going to have to have Strawn step up and, and Doolin step up and, and maybe activate Desmond Patman this week. You think it um, – obviously they, they had initial regret on rolling with Blankenship. I'm just to assume this. Do you think that maybe they they could be approaching it on? Oh, it's really early, but the regret on not going out and getting that veteran wide receiver as we all thought that they should in the offseason, do you think that maybe there could be some regret creeping in at all? Because it really worked out like we thought, Zach. I mean, Michael Pittman Jr. was a stud, and then everybody else just kind of filtered in at some point. Haven't we had this conversation for the last five months? Yeah, I know. Um, I, I actually, yeah. when you tweeted at me, I said, I do not recall ever having this conversation as a joke. But yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well played. No, I mean, it's week one. Like, you've done this long enough to know that you don't want to overreact to week one. And, and I went back and watched the tape, and I thought Strawn did some nice things late. Doolin has to make that catch in the end zone, no doubt. Pierce does as well. We know that. Um, and I thought Paris Campbell made some big plays on third down. That being said, it felt very, very top-heavy. It felt very much like it was the Michael Pittman show. And my goodness, he was good on Sunday. That was exactly what we saw in camp. He was just basically unstoppable, unguardable. And then there was a big gap between the other weapons. And, and you're not going to have that kind of offensive success when you play these better teams on your schedule. I thought that the Texans were pretty good up front. They got after the Colts a little bit in, in the trenches on both sides. But their secondary is nothing, is, is nothing to, to sneeze about. So – that's that's the worry is 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 frank's pretty good at getting these guys open but do they have anything behind michael Pittman in terms of guys they can count on every single week Strawn was the one guy that stepped up in a way i didn't really think he was ready to do this early after after missing you know a month of camp but i tweeted this during the game and i stand by it if ty hilton is on this team in that same situation he makes both of those catches i really believe that and Matt Ryan throws for 350 and three touchdowns, and there's no talk of a tie or a loss in Houston. It's a win. That's the what-if game they're going to have to play. Publicly, they're not going to say that. They're not going to admit to the regret. And it is early, but this is something we need to monitor. And if it's the conversation we're having in December, 
that's a huge problem, and they're going to have nobody to blame but themselves. See, and by the way, T.Y.'s been thanks for the memories on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium, so his time is here now, uh, officially is, is passed as they put that up there. I guess earlier today, here's the problem that I have is – They've had this problem before. We've talked about this problem before. They've had to address this problem in awkward times of the season before. I I, I put – I know it's early in the season, but we've been down this path so many times. You just go – I don't give them any credit. I mean, this is something that has been here. You've known you've done it. And, and Chris Ballard is so – he is just so in, in, incredibly focused in on not that position and others. I don't think they're ever going to get it, Zach, honestly. At least him. I don't think he's ever really going to get it, and that's unfortunate. You know what's going to be really fascinating, John, is let's watch and see how this Pittman situation plays out because this is his third year. I think he's going to be a pro bowler, 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. He could do it all. He's a number one. We saw that. Where does his value come down? I thought this in the middle of the game, and I told whoever was sitting next to me, I said, whenever he gets paid, he's going to get paid. And the reason I bring that up is the Colts have, have done a really good job of paying their best players, right? That's what Ballard always says. They paid – Quentin, they paid Darius, they paid Kenny, they paid Naheem. You know, they paid all their best guys, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly. But the numbers for wide receivers are getting absurd. I mean, $20, $25 million a year. Are they going to pay that to Michael Pittman, a guy who absolutely is going to deserve it, at a position where they have a skimp, the right word? And, and to go to your point, you know, that's going to be fascinating, whether they pay him the market value for a number one receiver because Adams and Tyreek Hill, I mean, these guys are getting crazy money, crazy money. And then to your point, I don't have any problem believing in your young guy, but you need three or four things to go right for this receiver group. And I include the tight ends, which did nothing on Sunday. You need three or four things to go right for that to work. And beyond, they really have three horses on offense. They got Pittman, Taylor, and Hines to help Matt Ryan. And then it's, it's a bunch of question marks, really. So you need a lot of things to go right. And in this league, it never all goes right. And like you said, we've seen this before. And I go back to that Pittsburgh game in 2020 when they lost both of their tackles and they didn't have the receivers to help Phillip Rivers. And, and if they win that game, you know, they have a different playoff road than, than going to Buffalo. So it, it's burned them before. And we'll see if it burns them again. I don't want to overreact to week one. But certainly you would have liked to see a better debut from Alec Pierce. Yeah, Zach Kiefer, the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong about this. But I think the guys that were moved or were paid, you know, paid in a move or paid to stay, I think with the exception of Devontae Adams, did all these guys at that position, a wide receiver that got major paid, did their teams not win in week one? Not that it matters greatly, <laughs> but just – yeah. I think because Tyreek Hill, they won in Miami. Um, A.J. Brown won in, in Detroit with with Philadelphia. Uh, McLaurin won uh, with the Commanders in Washington. Devontae Adams did not with the Raiders against the Chargers. Uh, D.K. Metcalf the won with the Seahawks right. on Monday night. I think all these guys, I think all these guys won with the exception of Adams and the Raiders. Maybe I'm not this thinking about somebody now, but no, that's a good list. That's a good list, and this goes back to a larger point that, that I get asked about a lot. I'm sure you do as well. The Colts are built to win in 1995. You know, they're, they're, they're not built to throw for 400 yards a game, although Matt Ryan did have 350, and he was the second-highest passer 
in the league this year behind Mahomes. So that does tell you something. And it's not his fault his receivers dropped two touchdowns. However, um, that's going to be fascinating to watch it play out because all summer and all spring we heard they want to lessen the load on Jonathan Taylor because they want to be a little bit more diverse. The dude had 31 carries. And I got no problem with, his, with him getting 31 carries because he's a monster. And they, they couldn't bring him down at the end. I thought he was going to break one and get in the end zone and, and not even have to kick. And, boy, that would have changed things as well. But um, it's going to be fascinating to see if they can find a way to become a passing team because they have, one, the best running back in football, and, two, you have to be a passing team in 2022 to win games consistently in this league. And they were 29th in passing last year. We all know what happened at the end of the season. Um, you know, I think they're going to be good this year because of the way Matt Ryan gets the ball out and he's very, very sharp with his reads. But like you said, it just gives you a little pause with these guys behind Pittman. But hey, if Pittman gets open every time, just keep throwing him the ball. It's that simple. So Zach Key for the Athletic, he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, actually, when I started the show. And all the focus is right now on the head coach and his faults and that fourth down call and how they're never going to win big with him as the coach. And again, he you know started walking down that path. But to me, it's going to take a lot for Jim Mercy ultimately to make that decision to part with him. And it'd be even tougher in the season. But I will tell you this uh, beyond Frank Reich, you know, being obviously in the crosshairs of a lot of the fan base and media folks, certainly uh, because of their lack of winning. If these guys, if this team goes down there after being owned and clowned and embarrassed back in January and bounced out of the postseason in the fashion in which they did, it's going to be a lot on them and also probably should recognize that they're going to put their coach in an incredibly bad situation if they go out there and give the folks a couple of crap quarters as they certainly did this past Sunday in the opener. If they go down there and play like they did in the second and third quarter in Houston, in Jacksonville on Sunday, you are right. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly because you think about all the years of losing down there in Jacksonville and how they haven't figured it out. You think about all the frustrations of not winning the season opener. I mean, I don't know how you feel about the tie, but it feels like a loss to me. I know it doesn't mean a loss in the win-loss column, and that matters, but it's Houston, for God's sakes. It's Houston. Like, they might win four games. And then moving ahead to the following week, you've got Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs coming in who are probably going to score 30 or more. And, and you're going to have to match that to win that home opener. So you're right. It's, it's, it's getting time to where they need to start proving that this patient approach works. And, and we'll see. You know, maybe they come out and get, and get the job done Sunday. You know, what Matt Ryan told Ryan Kelly today was, you know, we were asking a lot of the players about the Jacksonville curse, if you want to call it that. And Matt Ryan mentioned to Ryan Kelly that he's 4-0 against the Jaguars. So maybe that's what they need. They need a quarterback who's had no trouble against the Jaguars, but um, you're right, man. Like, it's, it's a very real thing, and, and there's no way I see Ursay making a move midseason. He's never done that. That's what Bob Ursay would have done, not Jim Ursay. But that's that's removing a catastrophic yeah. start. Oh, from, oh, three and one. oh, three and one might break some new ground. That, that, then we need to have a conversation. We'll see. Um, but you're right. They need to play for Frank Reich, yeah. and they need, to, they need to show that this process they keep preaching – is the right one. And if you can't beat the Jaguars, for goodness sakes, then, then, then the conversation needs to be had about what this team is doing because 
all the changes they made in the offseason. They made these big moves with Ngakwe and Gilmore and Ryan. And in a sense, they scapegoated Carson Wentz. And they changed the time of practice in, in training camp. And they, and they played their guys in the preseason. And, and then they went down to Houston, and, and how do they play? I mean, until the fourth quarter, they played pretty crappy. So this is going to tell us a lot. Jacksonville always does, but I feel like this one's going to tell us a lot. You know, it's funny. Some people reminded me of the two drives they had in the first, but we saw what they came away with and, you know, screwed the pooch once again uh, by dropping a potential touchdown pass right there with the rookie, Alec Pierce. I, I put it this way on Sunday because I really thought this way. I thought that we had the, the seven out of the last eight quarters of football we've seen this play team play going back to Jacksonville have been pretty awful. Now, maybe you can maybe factor out the first quarter a little bit because of the couple of drives, but four in Jacksonville and at least two strong in Houston. You're talking six quarters of not just bad football, some of the worst that we have seen around here. And that's another reason why, you know, on Monday I was going I, with this group, yeah, I know it's all about the coach and everything, but, you know, where are these players in this, especially the guys that were there a year ago and got embarrassed and got clowned and laughed at in the hard knocks, pointed the thing, you know, and everybody's laughing at them. You know, if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar having a good time at their expense and to come out and look like that in week number one, even with the tie, to me was inexcusable. <laughs> That's funny. I use the same word. Um, I, I, here's what I'll, I'll push back a little bit. I walked out of the stadium thinking the exact same thing you did. And I tweeted during the game that this feels like every season opener feels the same. And that's a problem because they haven't won one since Andrew Luck's second year. And then I watched the tape on Monday and I came away with a different thought on the first quarter. They really did move the ball really well. They had a 66 yard drive and a 55 yard drive. They made plays that lose you football games, right? They didn't finish in the red zone. And I absolutely hated the fourth and two call, the fourth and goal call, they, they wildcapped to Hines, right? Like that, that all being relevant here, I hated that. But I also was impressed at the way they moved the ball and how I just forgot about it. They didn't finish in the red zone, which gets you beat. But they, they, it's really felt like the game turned on the Alec Pierce drop. And I don't want to over-dramatize it. That was a great throw by Matt Ryan against his body, corner of the end zone. The kid's got to make that catch. He's got to make that catch. And then it feels like the Texans got a little momentum. And for two quarters, they really were the better team. But I will say this, you know, that was the same thing as Jacksonville. Like the game turned and they couldn't turn it around. And what they do in the fourth quarter? And this is what I think is it, you can take away from, from Houston. And I'm, I'm not trying to make this sound better than it is because the tie in Houston feels like a loss. But they really dominated in the fourth quarter. And I think that helped them see what this team can look like when they start to play. There's no excuse for it happening in the fourth quarter and not 45 minutes earlier in the game. But I walked out of the stadium thinking it was a pitiful, pitiful performance and they were lucky to get a tie. And then I watched the tape and I thought, if they do like three different things, I think they're okay. But we'll have to see because you can't fumble the football. Your 15-year veteran quarterback cannot fumble the football three times. You can't drop touchdowns. That's on Doolin and Pierce. And we've talked about this before. I think Frank Reich is an above-average play caller, absolutely but he gets too cute in the end zone sometimes, in the red zone. He just does. He overthinks it, and, and I hate that, and that le they left a lot of points on the board. So Zach Key for the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I will disagree. While there's no doubt that was a huge turning point with Pierce, I thought 
the turning point of the game was the right call on fourth and two in Wildcat because not only did you come away with zero points on a clownish-looking play, but that got everybody in that stadium that's a Texans fan and everybody on that Texans sideline fired up because they made a goal line stop. I thought that's where the turning point was on that incredibly bad call by the head coach. Well, you, you, you fast forward, you get the Pierce touchdown, and it's 10-0. to and then you and then you're forcing David Mills, Davis right. Mills, excuse me, to make a play, and and he's just not going to. So, um, you know, as soon as the Pierce touchdown was dropped, the Colts came away with no points, and and then they the Texans hit a big play on the next on the next possession. But I think we're both right. You know what I mean? I think both of them were were signature moments in the game that spun it towards Houston for a little while. No, there's uh, there's no doubt about that. But seriously. Yeah, I, I it's it's tough to think about because there's really no maybe one uh, circumstance, and that's when when Robert Ursay was at the helm. But there's there's really no groundwork set. That's why I this team just can't let it get to that point. They they just can't because you start you go zero one and one, and then you have Kansas City and Tennessee. That's why I mentioned that could be some groundbreaking stuff right there if you're not careful, and you don't want that. That's Fubar. I'll tell you what, John. You know what would really do it? Would really, really, really make some make some hard questions get asked is Tennessee. Tennessee. I know that I know that the Kansas City game gets all the eyes because they're among the Super Bowl favorites, and that's a home opener. But in Jim Ursay's mind, one, he he has been very, very publicly praiseworthy of Mike Frable. He loves Mike Frable. He talks about him like he wishes he was his coach. And then secondly, that's the team. That's really, really in his mind right now. That's that's in their way. And the, the two losses to Tennessee last year really got to him. You remember he called in his scouts, his entire staff, and he lit into them after the Colts lost to the Titans last year. And he said, who's going to stand up and do something about this? That's the team in their way. And I don't care what the Titans' record is. I don't care that they lost to the Giants. They're always a tough game for the Colts. And if the Colts don't win that game at home, and who knows what happens against Jacksonville and Kansas City. But if those go poorly and then you compound that with the loss to the Titans at home, that's when it could get really bad. We're a long way off from that. But um, from what little I know of how the owner thinks, I know the Titans game is bigger in his mind than it might be in some other minds. All right. DeForest Buckter did not practice today. Why? It was listed as a, a hip, I want to say. Um, I talked to DeForest in the locker room, didn't get any sense that anything was amiss. Um, we'll check on him tomorrow, but they were in pads today, so they're probably just playing it safe. But Buckner hasn't missed a game as a Colt besides COVID, so I don't have a huge concern with him right now. Shaquille Leonard, what about his availability and that possibility Sunday? Yeah, there's a chance. He was on the field today, full practice today in pads, which is a step up from last week when he was limited in pads. I think they're going to see on Friday. Um, I think there's a chance. I would probably lean towards no, but if you want to make a case for it, I felt like they missed him Sunday. And I know that's an obvious statement, but I feel like emotionally they missed him in some spots. And really, he's the guy that's going to get a turnover. It really feels like he's the guy that would have changed things in the second or third quarter. Um, I know you can't think about one game when you're bringing this guy back, but um, I think there's a 50-50 chance he plays. Yeah, I yeah I would agree. 
Um, I I was not so shocked that he didn't play, certainly, last week. Now, the other thing that a lot of people were shocked about, but maybe shouldn't be, is the whole rotational left tackle effect they have going on over there. Uh, is it going to be, you know, what, 85-15 as it was in that ballpark last week, or will the rookie get even more looks over there at left tackle? Yeah, doesn't it seem like they're just begging Bernard Ryman to take that job? There's no question. What, yeah. what, what they're saying publicly and what they're doing. I would say I would. I said things. yeah. I said Monday by October because I I had, I had heard yeah. that they were going to work that rotationally, and then everything everybody kind of crapped themselves when they saw it on Sunday, and then you know what happened, and that's what they want to do. But I I said that this is going to keep on going um, until about October, and he's going to step in and be the starter. The strange. I was thinking the same thing last week. The strange thing is they said, you know, they, they've said that Matt Pryor's our guy. Matt Pryor's our left tackle. Well, if he's your left tackle, then why are you playing somebody else for 15 snaps a game? So, um, you know, I don't know if the phrase, if you've got two left tackles, you don't have any left tackles, works here. But um, Ryman has come a long way, man. Like, he was, he was rough to start camp. He has gotten better fast. And I think it's only a matter of time. I think October is a good guess. How do you think that Pryor played to your eyeballs on Sunday? He was fine. Um, the other tackle was the problem, if you want me to be honest. Braden yeah. Smith, I don't think I've seen him play a worse half. Going back to last year's opener yep. against Seattle, but he was hurt. So, um, look, they, they don't handle speed on the edge well. Neither of them. Neither Pryor nor Smith. They just don't, and they're going to see a lot of it in the next couple of weeks. They're going to see it. And I don't care who Jacksonville is going to bring, whether it's Josh Allen or Trayvon Walker, the rookie, like they're going to dial up some stunts and some blitzes and they're going to bring pressure. And Matt Ryan's going to be a lot better at getting the ball out than his predecessor. But this is a concern. And as good as they can be in the middle at times, I thought Pinter struggled a little bit on Sunday. Smith and, and Pryor, and I've been saying this about Pryor for weeks, like it's just a concern. Like Pryor is a concern right now when they get speed on the edge and it's not going to get any easier against these speed rushers in the next couple of weeks. Well, yeah, and, and there's no guarantee that it's going to get better when you replace him with a rookie either. I mean, it's this, right. and, this is danger. Again, this is dangerous territory, and it's also territory where we've all been down this path and questioned this for months upon months, and here we are. Yeah, and look, if, if Ryman plays, if he gets the job and he plays, dude's not going to be perfect. He only played like 18 games at left tackle in college. And, and he's such a young football player. Like, he's, he played tight end and he played left tackle. And, like, this is the NFL. So, it's going to come fast. And I think he's smart. And I think he's really, really been a good pro so far. But it, it's like playing cornerback. Like, you're going to get beat. It's, it's not a perfect position. And if you have 55 good snaps and three bad ones, that's a bad day. And that's a tough, tough job to have. I think he's built for it. But he's really young, and it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how he develops. Because I thought the line was was solid late, but very very shaky early. It is so weird that sometimes when you look at it, it seems like the way that you win in this era of the NFL, it it seems like that the owner wants to win right now, and the general manager is comfortable in winning in years down the road. That's the way <laughs> that it kind of feels sometimes. We're 
where's the coach? Where's the coach fall down? The coach has to win right now, right? Yeah, well, he's, the coach is going to be in trouble if he doesn't win right now. There's no doubt, especially especially if you don't live up to expectations, because he's still got to win and try to play off of that that coaxing, that talking the owner into bringing wins here a year ago, which is something that the owner uh, has yet to forget about. Clearly, so yeah, I don't I don't think Jim's forgot about that. No, um, I'll tell you what, man. What what they need in the worst way is. 44 to 17 on Sunday. Yes. They just need yeah. a no questions asked, beat down, get rid of the demons, take care of business, get a leg up in the AFC South. Um, they need that. They need I, that. I yes. think they can do that. Yep. I think Matt Ryan might be the guy to just get them. What they need to do is get off to an early start. They need to get some confidence. I was talking to Ryan Kelly today, and he said, look, we got down early last year and we lost confidence. And, and, and you saw that if you watched the game. But it's just startling to hear that, the Colts, who were supposed to be a playoff team, lost confidence against a team that won three games and had the first pick. I think it was the Jets game a year ago where I called it the Remember the Titans quote, leave no doubt. I mean, that's, this is a game Sunday where you, you need to leave no doubt because there's a lot of doubt out there right now. Zach, I appreciate you more than you know, and we'll talk to you again coming up here. Have a great week. Thanks, dude. Zach Kiefer of The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Our good friend from Jacksonville from ESPN.com, he covers the Jaguars. Mike Duraco is with us. Is it lame? I guess what I should ask, how many times do you do radio stations out of the Jacksonville market and they bring you on and play Skinnered? Is that often? <laughs> it happens from time to time, yes. Yeah, I just um, wondered. I, I thought about that. I go, man, am I being incredibly unoriginal by doing this? Probably so. Oh, uh, no. I mean, not all the time. Uh, you know, like I said, usually when they do it, Sweet Home Alabama. So you were at least a little original that way. Yeah, I went that smell, which is uh, a lighthearted tune. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Jackson used to smell years and years ago because of the paper mill plants around town and then they clean that up so we don't stink anymore no, everything's yeah. all good i think uh, Terre Haute, indiana had a similar problem when i went to indiana state back in the day so yes it's all all much better now i go ahead and size up that 28 22 jaguars loss in washington on sunday with the good and the bad aspects that you watched uh, well, the biggest thing that steps off the page to me as a good aspect is this team didn't just fold over. Um, I think, you know, the last year's team and even the teams, you know, the previous two or three years before that, they come down, they come out of the halftime 14 to three trailing and that game ends up 28 to 10 and the, the 10, the touchdown comes with like 112 left in the game. It's a garbage touchdown, but this team fought back um, and took the lead in the fourth quarter uh, made a couple of bad plays in the fourth quarter, wasn't able to hold it, obviously. But, you know, Jags fans around here probably don't want to hear it, but that does show a significant amount of progress based on where this franchise has been the last two years. Um, but here's the thing. They could have and should have won that game, but they just shot themselves in the foot pretty much all day long, uh, with an exception of like about a 12-minute stretch in that third and fourth quarter. But, you know, 13 penalties – uh, you know, a drop touchdown pass. Trevor Lawrence missed an open uh, in what should have been an easy touchdown pass early in the first quarter there on their first drive. Um, you know, it just just too many self-inflicted mistakes, some stupid penalties about guys lining up wrong and the, and the tight end being covered and it, it, it just inexcusable mental mistakes. And, and if they clean all that up, then they probably win that game. And, and to be honest with you, even if, 
everything else stays the same. All the mistakes they made stay the same. And Travis Etienne catches the, the fourth down pass. He gets in the end zone. They score a touchdown. They probably go on to win that game. So um, a lot of the things that have hurt this team the last several years, the self-inflicted wounds showed up again. Uh, it, but I think the people around here in Jacksonville feel like this team's at least in better shape to kind of fix some of those, and they won't keep popping up week after week after week. Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com covers the Jaguars and the AFC South. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll, we'll segue with you about ETN. I, I thought certainly he would be utilized a lot more than it looks that he was. Was that surprising to you, or was that just a part of the game plan and the flow of the game? Um, a little bit surprising because I didn't expect James Robinson to be used as heavily as he was because I just didn't think he would have the conditioning for it. He pretty much did nothing but individual work for 90% of training camp uh, and then participated in teamwork the last week, but no full contact, didn't play in a preseason game. So, you know, you guys know football shapes different from regular good shape. And I just wasn't sure he would be in good enough shape to really be a factor and effective if he was in there. And he certainly was. So, um, you know, they, they basically split the, 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 the snaps down the middle in the offense. I think it was 34, 36 um, for each of them. Um, you know, ETN was really effective when he ran the ball. Uh, I, I thought for sure that he would be getting more touches than he did. But the Jags were a little bit surprised at how well Robinson was going in terms of, you know, like I said, the conditioning and for not having played since last December because of the torn Achilles. So I think they tried to ride that that hot hand a little bit more. It'll be interesting to see how the mix goes going forward because they weren't on the field at the same time at all, and I know they have some packages with that. So as we go forward, it'll be interesting and fun to kind of see what they do with those guys. But ETN certainly is the guy. There's two guys on that offense that are a threat to take it to the house whenever they touch it. It's ETN and Jamal Agnew. So I think we're going to see some more of ETN this week than we probably did last week. Well, talk a little bit about Agnew, too. How much do you think he will be a part of the offensive game plan against the Colts Sunday? Uh, you know, he had the long – I believe he had the long touchdown run against the Colts on an end-around yeah. last year in Indianapolis. I, I don't see him getting but maybe a handful of touches, yeah. you know, three or four, nothing spectacular there. But, um, you know, they're just going to try and make sure that they do it so they can get him the ball in space because that's where he's obviously at his best. Um, and then it'll be like sort of like a gadget play. maybe. Not, I shouldn't say gadget, but like an end-around kind sure. of thing, maybe a quick wide receiver screen. You know, it's not like they're going to put him in the backfield and turn around and hand it off to him. Yeah, Duraco's with us. A lot was made about Christian Kirk, signing him as a free agent to a lot of money. Six for 117 was his stat line with Trevor Lawrence throwing him at the football on Sunday. What did you think about when they, they made that mark and signed him compared to the output that you saw from him on Sunday? Well, you know, when they signed him uh, and the rest of the league was mad because it basically reset the receiver market, um, I was like, okay, well, this guy's never been a number one, um, and, and he's not you know, he's not a number one wide receiver in like the you know, Jamar Chase and Devontae Adams role, but he is their number one. And I was like, they better use him, uh, and they better get him the ball because he's probably one of the best playmakers they've got. And I think going into the, their last drive of the first half, he had only had one target. Um, and then they picked it up with him, obviously, in the second half. But after seeing him in camp and how much they 
got him the ball in camp. Uh, and the fact that he had eight targets in the only half of preseason ball he played, I kind of went into the season thinking, okay, this guy's going to catch a hundred balls. There's, you know, if, if he doesn't catch 90, I'll be stunned. And, and the way that they used him uh, and targeted him heavily in the second half, um, you know, that just kind of validated what I thought. So he'll be the guy that, uh, that Trevor probably looks to the most going forward. Lawrence looked like what to you in week one? Uh, a guy who's still trying to figure it out a little bit. Um, and he, he wasn't particularly accurate. Uh, he missed a couple of throws that he should have hit, and he knows that, and he tells us that pretty openly. Yeah, I should have hit that one in ETN in the end zone. Um, but he's also a guy that, that is going to have to get better at situational football. And by that, I mean, hey, look, you got a safer throw that might be only for seven yards, but you don't have to fit it in a tight window, or you don't have to try and, you know, toss it all the way down the field to a much lower percentage play. Um, take the short completion, keep the sticks moving, um, and, and don't don't get caught up in the I got to make a play, got to make a play um, when guys are in your face because that sort of happened to him twice, and he ended up trying to throw the ball away, got two intentional grounding uh, penalties. You know, sometimes you got to know when to eat it, and, you know, I don't think he's there yet on that. Um, but he's, he's a guy that does like to gamble. So there's a little bit of that you're going to have to live with. And, um, I don't ever think that he's going to be one of those 68% completion guys. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's not going to, you know, it's not going to be, he's not a dink and dunk guy either. He does want to take it down the field. So with those kind of guys, generally you get a little bit lower completion percentage, but you know, he's still learning with this new staff and he's still learning with this new offense and still adjusting to those guys. So um, I expect him to get better as the season progresses with that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, he, he's just still trying to figure it out. I, I was just talking with a, 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 another reporter in there, and, I, and maybe I'm wrong for doing it, but I give him a pretty good pass for what he had to deal with last year with the Urban Meyer debacle and that coaching staff and all the stuff that was going on and him trying to be a rookie and learn how to play in the NFL while having to deal with all of that. So I kind of look at him as like a rookie plus this year. And, um, you know, my harsher judgment on him will probably end up being next year. If he's still struggling with the same kind of stuff next year, then I think that's a big problem. So Mike Durocco covers the Jaguars for ESPN.com with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. He was festive in feasting on the Colts back in January. <laughs> uh, Josh Allen chomping at the bit to get back at this Colts offensive line again. Yeah, you know, but but not because of last year's game. To to a man, the guys in the locker room are like, you know what? That's last year. We're not even. It's totally different. Completely different team. Completely different staff. Um, you know, we're not even thinking about all that. It's more of let's get back on the field because we've got to get uh, ourselves better, and we've got to make up for the, the the performance we had last week against the Commanders because too many, like I said before, self-inflicted mistakes and they're – I, I don't get a sense that they're an angry team, you know, because of the way that they played as angry at themselves. But I do get a sense that there's maybe a little bit more of a, I guess, for lack of a better term, sense of urgency with these guys, just because they know that, or they feel like they're better than they showed. And they know that if they don't make those kind of mistakes, then they can be a team that wins six, seven, eight, nine games, maybe more. Um, I still think they're rolling in that six, seven win range by the time the season's over, but they just really want to get back on the field, not only because they had success against the Colts, but they just want to get that bad taste out of their mouth. Trayvon Walker looked like he did some work in week number one. 
Yeah, you know, he had the sack, four tackles, and, and the interception, and, and uh, got tackled by the quarterback, but no one's making fun of him because I guess they're all afraid to make fun of Trayvon Walker. But right. to me, the most impressive part of that interception was not the, the leaping catch, which though was pretty darn, you know, impressive because he had to extend but the fact that he's running up the field as a young pass rusher those guys go 900 miles an hour and their only thought is get to the quarterback get to the quarterback and he has the presence of mind to see Antonio Gibson kind of slide behind him a little bit and then recognize and realize it's going to be a screen and stop himself and then start to move over that way to put himself in position to make that interception. And that's uh, that's a really, really impressive thing for a young guy to do, especially in his first NFL game. So to me, that's the one thing that I thought of as the most um, interesting thing about the way he played is that he has some of that awareness that sometimes guys don't get right away. Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com, always with the great information with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll see what happens. We'll see if Colts fans, because this, I mean, you saw how sluggish they came out of the gate in Houston. Um, and you go down to a place that has not been kind to them. Then you get Kansas City and Tennessee at home and back-to-back dates. Yeah. <laughs> this could start something. <laughs> this could start something groundbreaking around here if things aren't careful. They don't handle themselves Sunday. Yeah, well, it's sort of the same kind of thing here for the Jags because they feel like they let one get away last week. They've got the Colts this week. Yeah. And then they're at the L.A. Chargers, and then they're at the Philadelphia Eagles with the whole Doug Peterson thing hanging over their heads. And after the first weekend, if you ask me who was one of the two or three best teams in the NFC, I'd list the Eagles as one of them. So it's not going to be an easy start for this group uh, either if they don't win this week uh, against the Colts. Morocco, you're the man. I appreciate you. Enjoy the game Sunday. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me. You got Mike Morocco of ESPN.com. Always fantastic right here. Back to you guys in a second. Andy Moore, Automotive View Hotline, the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Happy belated birthday to you. Did you celebrate? Uh, I celebrated like a like a boring 37-year-old would celebrate the night before a game. <laughs> watched watched football and went out and got barbecue. So it was pretty good. So actually. you and uh, yeah, you and Nick Cross share the same birth date, huh? That's right. Yeah, yeah six, 16 years apart. He's uh, – He's way more impressive than I am because on my 21st birthday, I was not doing what he was doing the night before his first professional game. I can tell you that. What would you do on your 21st birthday? Well, we played – I think we played Wabash that day, and they were they were really good, and we actually ended up beating them. And it was a home game for us, and I, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that's that's even better. I don't remember. It was like a big. It was a campus-wide celebration that also had to happen to coincide on my birthday, and I, I don't really remember much other than the fact that we won and we played good, and it was a huge thing for the program. But not not much of the night is in the memory bank. <laughs> well, here's what's weird. I I did my first on my 21st birthday at Hooligans in Bloomington on Kirkwood, and the guy that was uh, at the door said. Wait a minute. It's your 21st birthday. You've been coming in here for two years. What gives? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Every, every college town has a bar like that where it's like, wait, it, 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 got, it got closed down, unfortunately, because it was like that. But it was a, it was a hellaciously awesome place to be. I think now, I think I uh, ended up. I think I did a little bit of barf job inside that Noble Romans that used to be right there on Kirkwood, too. 
I like I befouled Nova Romans a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I had a barf job, but yeah. <laughs> There's every 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 college town has a bar like that, or at least they used to. Time, times were simpler back then, John. Oh, those were the days. Oh, they were. No doubt about that. It's Matt Taylor with us. I'm going to jump to this because I'm sure we've recapped. Now it's Wednesday. You move on. I am curious. I said this at the outset. I will be so disappointed if this group, most of which was in Jacksonville last January and was a part of the way that that embarrassing game went down and then watched a lot of those Jacksonville players that are still there laugh and giggle and clown their way through a meaningless game for them, but a game in which embarrassed this organization and bounced them out of the postseason. If they don't go down there full throttle and whip some ass, I am going to be highly disappointed, honestly, just for that alone. Well, I don't think you have to worry about that. And Frank Reich today talked about, you know, listen, we all know what week it is. We all know what time it is. It's, it's, we all know who the opponent is and where we're going. So in terms of motivation and, you know, where you need to draw, you know, your fire up energy from, like, you don't have to worry about that this week because it was week 18. Colts were a 15 point favorite. They lost 26 to 11 in a game that we all remember wasn't even that close. I mean, the Colts scored late to make it more respectable, but Jacksonville got off to a great start in that game and the Colts just were never able to overcome them, and they, quite frankly, were not able to overcome themselves. A lot of self-infliction in that game, just like there was in the first three quarters of the game on Sunday. So I think, you know, yesterday or Sunday's game, plus the fact that it's an AFC South game, it's Jacksonville and what that represents, and as you said and chronicled well, you know, how that game, you know, ended and what the other sideline was, was doing. I mean, there were there were hard knocks, you know, jokes and, yep. you know, references and, yep. you know, pointing the finger and, you know, just making fun of the Colts, quite frankly, in social media after that game. And all of those guys have had nine months to put that in the, you know, in the, on the shelf and to, uh, you know, put up some posters, if you will, metaphorically speaking, inside the locker room for some bulletin board material. So you're going to see a, a fired-up Colts team, especially, I think, even more coming off a 20-20 to 20 tie where just execution in the first three quarters for the Colts was not up to, up to par. And if the Colts, quite frankly, play the way they did in, in the last 10 minutes and 47 seconds of that fourth quarter, you know, they're, they're the better team. They're going to win this football game. But you got to put it all together. And the NFL is such a it's such a league and it's such a game of just how do you play that day? You know, what kind of execution do you get that day? And I said it last week on a couple of different shows. Um, you know, the only way I thought the Colts would lose that game, or in this case not win it, was if they just beat themselves. And for the majority of the game, that's what happened. A lot of self-infliction, a lot of errors, and a lot of plays that guys normally make that didn't. So that has to be rectified coming up on Sunday, week two. So Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I, I was. That's the thing that I focused on on Monday was me, and I know we've been down this path, especially early in the season and week number one in the past, but the way they started, other than those first couple of drives, but especially the second and the third quarters, the way they slogged through that, it just had you going, what what, what the hell is going on? And then what do you think was just maybe pride? Maybe it was Houston, you know, running out of gas a little bit, whatever. What was with the, the motivation and getting back into it and certainly putting themselves in a position to win that game on Sunday? What did that well, come down to in the fourth? I mean, uh, 
you know, I, I just think that, you know, I've never been in the NFL, but I've, I've been a player. And I just think, I mean, you sort of saw that. I'm not saying it's the same level at all, but you sort of saw that in the, the Indiana-Iowa game on Saturday night. I mean, they just missing field goals and guys are dropping passes. The quarterback's missing guys wide open. He's throwing balls over the guys' head that are getting picked off. It just boils down. You're just not playing well. Just execute. Just do the small things. Just do your job. I mean, you know, EJ Speed, I talked to him in the locker room today. He's like, yeah, I made a bonehead play where I'm running into a punter in the end zone when we get a, a you know a third down stop and force a punt and we're poised to get great field position. And then I make a knucklehead play where I run into the punter, give them an automatic first down, and they chew up you know 45 more yards of, of, of offense and, and ha- have the ball for three and a half more minutes or whatever the case was. So it's, it's just stuff like that where you say you got to get your head above water and, and stop killing yourself. And I just think not to oversimplify it, but that, that's what happened to the Colts is just don't beat yourself. Make the, the small plays that are out there. Play like you know you can. And quite frankly, play the way this team played and how they looked in, in, in the month of August and, and training camp in the preseason because by all accounts, they looked really good. They looked nothing like they did in the second quarter and the third quarter in week one. So I, I just think the Colts were their own problem, to be quite honest with you, more so than what the Houston Texans were doing. I'm not trying to take anything away from them because they are a better team. But I just think had the Colts played – uh, you know, a consistent game, you know, the way they played in that fourth quarter, that game probably would not have been close. It's Matt Taylor who joins us, too. It was uh, it was mind-numbing. It was. I can imagine you and Rick being in the booth and wondering what the hell's going on here. You know, after all that, this is what we're going to try to do, you know, to focus in on starting out better and changing up training camp uh, the way that they did. Right, and right. you still come out with the uh, history of, of basically – remnants of what we have seen in the past i mean really it wasn't surprising the way they came out and that was what was so disappointing well i mean you just had uncharacteristic things i mean i know alec pierce was playing in his first game in the nfl right i mean you can you can imagine if you see a perfectly spiraling pass for matt ryan sort of backyard football the play's broken down and this beautiful pass is coming to you in the end zone and you know you're in the end zone and you're thinking to yourself how sweet is this going to be my first catch in the nfl is going to go for a touchdown he just didn't make the play right and we didn't we didn't see that all of training camp you're right you didn't see you know the the two most uh, you know, seasoned veterans on this roster and Ryan Kelly and Matt Ryan not be able to perform a center to quarterback exchange a couple of times, have some problems in the shotgun, you know, go for it on fourth and goal at the two and you get stonewalled there and you make a bad decision on a screen pass that, that gets picked off by a defensive end. Like these are just some things that you know, you just don't come to expect from Matt Ryan 14 years and Ryan Kelly in year number seven at center and, you know, in, in, a, in a reliable receiver and Alec Pierce in training camp. So I just think you just clean up all of those little things. They're all correctable. And I guess if you have to pick like your, your week one troubles, you'd rather have, you know, mental mistakes or uncharacteristic mistakes that can be cleaned up easily with more focus and more intensity rather than like, you know, your offensive line just can't hold up. It's, you just can't protect anybody or you can't tackle well. You know, some some fundamental issues that are not, not as easily correctable or not easily as fixable than just, you know, focusing, uh, you know, more closely on what you're doing and just having a higher intensity about you going into this game in week two. Matt Taylor's with us. So, Alec Pierce, we saw him get walloped, and I mean illegally walloped, helmet to helmet on Sunday. And you kind of wondered at the time what that may lead to. I guess you kind of came away with that game feeling 
uh, everything was as okay as, uh, I guess, visually what you see. But given the fact he enters you, you, the uh, the protocol now, the concussion protocol, uh, what do you think his chances are planning coming up on Sunday? I know that's hard to, to gauge, but right. what, what's your thoughts on whether or not he's going to be able to give it a go? Well, you're right. He took a nice little shot. In fact, Lara on the sidelines on, on Sunday, she reported that his face mask and, and helmet got dented. You know, his face mask got, you know, out of place. They had to replace that. And that's so, some North Dallas 40 stuff going on no, right there, man. <laughs> Holy crap. No question about yeah. it, right? Hardcore 70 stuff. Yeah. So he had to be evaluated. And, yeah, really no surprise prize because he took a he took a shot and it was it was a penalty and there was a no 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 doubter penalty from Jalen Petrie um you know at the safety position for Houston um so really no surprise that that he might be feeling you know some lingering effects of that did not practice today as you said in the concussion protocol so really it just boils down to timing and we all know you got to clear steps and there's a handful of hurdles you have to jump over. You got to, you know, pass, uh, you know, an independent neurologist, and you have to have so many days cleared. There's, it just boils down to, you know, when he entered the protocol and how he's feeling leading into Sunday. So as of right now, it's it's really kind of a 50-50 proposition, which then would affect the rest of the depth chart because Desmond Patman was inactive on Sunday. So obviously, if Pierce can't go, you would think that Patman would be up and 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 playing um, after missing Week One due to it being inactive, but. You know, I, I thought you know, like if if it's if it's Alec, if Alec Pierce is having game one jitters, you know, then you roll with Mike Strawn. And I thought Strawn played well, had a couple of big catches, a couple of big first downs, some twenty yard catches over the middle. I thought he played really well, and is a guy that in, in short order built up a lot of chemistry and rapport with Matt Ryan, despite missing the first ten practices of training camp. So I liked what I saw from the Colts, you know, supplemental staff uh, at wide receiver outside of Michael Pittman Jr., especially in the fourth quarter when the ball was being spread around so much and the Colts were going up tempo, I think 10 different guys caught a pass from Matt Ryan on Sunday. So you like to see that, and you like to see the confidence going forward considering – you know, Pittman's going to be your guy. He's going to catch 78 balls every game. Um, then it's going to be Naeem Hines somewhere, you know, between four and six catches. But then everybody else, you never know who that's, you know, is going to step up and have a big game that day. And I think everybody's pretty capable. So we'll see what happens. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, sponsored by Shelby Materials here on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What did you make of Matt Ryan's play in game number one at the age of 37? Yeah, I mean, like I said, outside just of a handful of mistakes that are uncharacteristic to him, I thought he was really sharp. He had good mobility in the pocket. He made good decisions. The accuracy was there. Like I said, he got a lot of people involved. Um, you know, that, that would-be touchdown uh, throw that Alec Pierce dropped was just a thing of beauty. Um, so I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked really sharp, and there's a lot of things to build off of. So he was disappointed after the game, knowing that you know he could have done more, obviously you can't put it all on the quarterback but when you play that position you know you're going to get more of the you know the praise you're going to take more of the blame I think it's it goes both ways as far as that's concerned um, but I, I really liked what I saw from Matt Ryan and he, he knows he's got a pretty good defense coming up on Sunday these guys I think on that side of the ball are, are pretty underrated and like I said the the, the secondary is deceptively good with 
Shaquille Griffin and Tyson Campbell. They brought in Darius Williams in free agency. Rayshon Jenkins is back. So I really think the Colts have, you know, their hands full coming up on Sunday. And everybody got a mulligan in the AFC South, right? No, Nobody got a win. Jacksonville still thinks they can make the playoffs, whether they're right or wrong. Um, you know, they, they think they've got a new era, new era of hope here with Doug Peterson. Uh, a lot of moves in free agency in the draft. So we'll see what happens coming up in week two, man. What do you make of the, the Jacksonville moves? I like Doug Peterson coming in. I do. I think he's going to be really good for that team in the longer haul. And I, I thought Christian Kirk put up some numbers. He mm-hmm. was that high-dollar free agent wide receiver from Arizona that signed there as well. They spent a lot of money. So they had some talent already, and they added some more talent and a healthy ETN as well in the backfield who didn't do very much in week number one. But that expectation is there, Matt. Yeah, they, they're they're – you can't sleep on these guys. I mean, Marvin Jones had a monster game against the Colts last year in week 18, you know, especially in the red zone. They signed Evan Ingram. Trevor Lawrence had his best game against the Colts last year. I think he had a 111 passer rating in week 18. James Robinson is back, um, you know, undrafted guy out of Illinois State. The Colts didn't see him in that last game, but they saw him in whatever that was, week 10, week 11 last year. And you brought up ETN. Um, he's sort of like their version of Naeem Hines as a rusher and a receiver Christian Kirk went over 100 yards last week Zay Jones I think is one of the more underrated receivers and oh by the way had his best game of his career against the Colts last year playing with the Raiders in week 17 so no you you cannot sleep on these guys they've they've got deceptive talent on that side of the ball their offensive line has improved Um, they drafted Fortner at center I paid a boatload of money uh, to the right guard Brandon Scherf, who comes over from the from the Washington football team now the Commanders. So this is a I, I think a, a a better team than last year. And, and last year they had nothing to play for in Week 18 and won 26 to 11. And now they have less chaos going on around them at the head coaching position. And Doug Peterson, who's a really good offensive mind, uh, Mike Caldwell is their defensive coordinator. He's a really good defensive mind. So. This is a team that I don't know if they're going to contend for the playoffs this year, but they're not far behind given their trajectory, and now they're on solid footing in, in terms of the front office and who's running the ship there. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a clown show last year, no doubt about that. I mean, yeah, hell, they end up winning against the Colts in that final week with an interim head coach at the helm, too. So, that's just that, – there was just so much. I, the, the motivation will not be hard at all to find. And also, I will say this – I, you you don't really want to think about going zero one and one with the prospect of hosting the Chiefs in your home opener in week three, right? No, I mean that's that is that's that's leading you and especially your head coach no. down a bad path. No, and I don't. I listen. I'm never going to sit here and guarantee a win, but I, I will tell you that this team is going to come out. There's going to be some head knocking. There's going to be some pad stumping. Uh, there's going to be some angry Colts players. It just boils down to execution, right? It just you got to make plays. But in terms of coming out flat, um, I, I'd bet a lot of money on just the intensity being very, very high, uh, especially to start this football game. And also, too, with that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts won the toss and, and took the ball. You know, kind of set the tone psychologically on what kind of day it's going to be and, and get off to a fast start which they just haven't been able to do you know to start uh first quarters against teams like houston and jacksonville um so again i'm not guaranteeing anything i'm just betting that the colts are going to come out highly motivated and they're going to be a physical team
team and an attacking team on both sides of the ball I, to start I, the game. I expected so much more from Ngakwe, and granted, it's it's one game, but it seemed like maybe you should have considered, I me at least should have considered Tunsil, you know, being as good as he is. I mean, he's the highest of the high dollars right. on that team, certainly, and it, it seemed like that he had a pretty good grasp on what was going on in trying to contain Ngakwe on Sunday. That was disappointing to me. He had a tackle for loss in that game, but you're right. That was a good matchup with um, you know, the left tackle versus the guy you know, lining up wide nine in that Leo technique with Unique Ngakwe. And that sort of stalemated that matchup, and it also allowed them to put more emphasis on you know, being able to have good protection on DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. Then towards the end of the game, Quiddy Pace started to win his matchups. But, yeah, def- defensive line-wise, I'm looking for bigger things starting in, in week number two. Um, and I just don't think they have that ability. You know, Cam Robinson's a good player, but he's not a Laramie Tunsil. So it's a huge game for Unique Ngakwe because it's his first game against the Jaguars at Jacksonville, right? 2016 to 2019, played in 28 games at Jacksonville as a as a home player, if you will, as a Jaguar. But first chance to go back there, you know the fan base is going to be booing him if he makes a play. He's going to be feeding off of that, considering you know what his exodus looked like out of Jacksonville with that front office. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking for, for more consistency and more of an impact across the board from that defensive line. So, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, he's brought to you by Shelby materials with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Do you get Amazon Prime at your house? I do. How do you not? I mean, everybody has Amazon Prime. It's it's so convenient. I mean, if you need what? a, I mean, if you need a, if you, need you a, think you're talking to here? Come on, Amazon Prime. Click, click of the button. I mean, all you, have, you got a, you got a phone. Just download Amazon Prime. I'm sure your wife has a login. Get it from her, and you're up and running. Piece of cake. Watch the game on my phone. You can, well, you, you, that's the easiest way to do it. Or you can get like a, oh. a streaming stick, as they say, and put that in the back of your TV. I get this big TV and watch it on my phone. I, I'm not a phone watcher guy. Are you a phone watcher guy? No, I'm not. I yeah. mean, the only time I, 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 I have to go that route is like on a plane or something. But, I mean, do you have a, do you have a smart TV? Uh, yeah, we got a couple. Yeah. They're a lot smarter than me. There's Did no that, question. Just give Blake the remote and say, Blake, <laughs> on this on this smart TV, download Amazon Prime, get the password from your mom. He'll do it for you, and he'll tell you where to find it on your TV, and you're good to go. I, I agree with you. I think it's a pain in the neck. I don't like it either because it's just one more thing to yeah. you have to seek out and have to make appointment viewing. But um, that's where this world's going. I mean – it's 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 not going to go back the other way, so you just have to embrace it. No, it's not going to go back the other way. No, nope. no doubt. I um yeah, uh, we got we still have we got a smart TV at home in the box right now. I need to get that out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> it does not does not shock. Well, first, first first you have to have, get get Blake some scissors. He'll get it out of the box for you. It's in the box. <laughs> I just go, man. The prospect of me trying to hang this on the wall is depressing. <laughs> I go, yeah. When you said you were starting from square one, you're literally, <laughs> literally. from square one. Yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> I do. I, Lady has a Roku stick in her room, and I find myself in there all the time, but I'm watching these episodes of, like, Andy Griffith and Family Ties <laughs> and old game shows on Pluto TV. That's what I watch Pluto. in there. <laughs> well, see, she she can help you, too. She's smart enough. She's old enough. If she's got a Roku stick, you can just go in her room and watch the Rams play the Buccaneers or whatever it is. Amazon Prime. Man.
<laughs> that's that's where we're all going, though. You know, I said way, way back that it's going to be pay-per-view one of these days, everything, and we're well on that, that path here, aren't we? Well, so. isn't isn't Valley Sports already pay-per-view? Or they're it's going gonna to be. be next that's going to be like 20 bucks plus for those that have cut the cord. See, but I still have direct TV, so I'm still wired in. Well, what about those that just hack into their, their dad's cable account and stream the games? What, what do those yeah. people do? Well, that's what I used to do with a satellite dish. <laughs> I loved that with our satellite dish until they got wise and said, hey, we can, uh, we can start scrambling these and make people pay for it. But the early years of those big satellite dishes were the absolute best. It was like the Wild West yeah. of television. That's why oh, yeah. I watched so much porn back then, yeah. <laughs> Well, to, to change the subject on that one. Um, yeah. Hey, I had to tape it. You can tell. I can take that stuff to Eastern Green and sell it on VHS. Oh, God. Man, you are, you've always been an entrepreneur, I tell you I that. I was. We were, yeah. we were thinking about those very, very things. Hey, we are not. By the way, the Bottle Works extravaganza was a good time on Sunday morning, oh, even with like the it? rain. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't mind to do those again. I like that being on the road for those. That was a good time. Yeah, so what did they just have, like a big blow-up uh, yeah. projector screen? That's pretty cool. Well, I mean, yeah, party. I think they had to move. They had it under tents outside because, I mean, it was pouring rain here. But they brought most of the party inside, and they're well-equipped to have it. Bottle Works inside the garage is just a really good place. It's yeah, a good time. It's a, really, it's a really cool, you know, really cool vibe, as they say. Yeah, it's, it's a good spot. Yeah, they've got, uh, you know, places to eat, places to drink. And um, I've only been there a couple of times, but both times I've been there, it's it's been cool. I've enjoyed my Myself. So I think they're going to do that a couple more times later on this season. So we'll have to keep that in mind. Put you to work on a on a I Sunday, like out, out and about with the with the people. Yeah, I didn't even go play basketball because my foot hurts. I, normally, I play at Southport High School and then roll in here and do the pregame. So I didn't even do it Sunday morning. I just decided to bypass it and come straight downtown and do that. It was a good time. So who's in charge of that over there? Uh, that would be our marketing staff. Nice, yeah, well done. That's a good yeah. good thing right there. It was. Stephanie Pemberton and Colin and Joe and all they do. A, I mean, I, 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 I sing their praises all the time with, with training camp. And then they were put to the test with the Jim Ursay collection on Friday with all that they had to do with that and then help assist, um, you know, the band and the collection. It was just they, they've been working overtime between all these different lead-ups uh, and, you know, events going into the season. So they deserve some time off. But they're they're unbelievable what they do considering all the balls they have to juggle. So Did you uh, impressive. enjoy the, the Ursa collection and the concert to follow? I, I thought it was one of the best nights. I really did. I had so much fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I saw, I thought it was so well done with the collection and, you know, just the – I don't know what the right word is, like the, the easiness or the, the um, you know, the ability to walk around and uh, move about yeah. and, uh, you know, take in the band, take in the collection. The concessions were free. The stadium was clean. It looked sharp. The signage was great. I mean, and those things are so important when you're putting on an event for 30,000 people and it's free and they all expect to, to have a good time. I thought the band was just absolutely on fire. Buddy Guy was unbelievable. John Mellencamp was great. Uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd played the the heck out of his guitar. I, I thought it was one of the most enjoyable nights I've had in a long time. I really did. I thought it was first class.
class. Matt Taylor's the voice of the Colts. He's with us thanks to Shelby Materials on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. 10 a.m. for the start of the Colts pregame huddle Sunday morning and then 12 noon for countdown to kickoff with Casey, Matt, Rick, and Lara from Jacksonville coming up on Sunday for week number two with the Colts and the Jaguars. My friend, hang in. Hey, by the way, the shop in Broad Ripple and Carmel just unleashed a JMV takeover t-shirt that just happened <laughs> holy crap is this awesome all right save me one i'm in i love it least the jmv takeover t-shirt just that's now so cool. all right buddy that's how you know you've made it man that's how you know that is badass right there <laughs> matt i appreciate you man all right have a good one thank well, you uh, matt taylor brought to you by shelby materials yeah the shop i just retweeted this check it out 